The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welger. You are listening to episode 148 of the podcast. Today is Friday, July 12th. I am here at Matt Arroyo's Gracie Tampa South, and I am joined by the Ultimate Fighter Season 22 alumni, the King of the Cage lightweight champion. Yeah, I think I have that correct. Right. And soon to be on Dana White's Contender Series, Billy Quarantile. Billy. Thank you yep, for, for having me, man. taking time out of your camp. I know you're a busy guy to talk to me a little bit about some MMA and some other things. How are you feeling? How's the training going? I feel great, you? man. Um, uh, yeah, training's been good. Uh, no serious injuries. Uh, weight's good, and uh, I'm ready to go. I'll leave it here in a week, so I'm super excited about this. Nice. Keep it simple. Everything just kind of lining up and just flowing into fight week. Yeah, yeah, we've had, uh, so this is uh, my 28th fight, I think 27th or 28th fight Mm -hmm. um, with like the amateur fighting, Muay Thai, boxing, and pro fights. So yeah, I've I've gotten it down pretty good where uh, I know where I should be in terms of like my weight cut, in terms of like what type of training I should be doing, who I should be training with. Um, And uh, so yeah, it's kind of just going through the motions at this point, just getting ready and uh, I'm in the best shape of my life, so it's go time i like how you said who you should be training with because that's something i think a lot of guys don't figure out you know you gotta be with training partners who will push you to the limit but not injure you yeah i guess that's what you meant by exactly yeah you know because uh you know you make that mistake you know usually if if i'm not in training camp you know like like a jujitsu night i'll roll with anyone i'll roll with you know, a, a guy who's 240 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, these big, huge guys. Um, but right now it's uh, it's more, you know, I'll go with guys who are bigger than me, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go with that spazzy white belt, you know, that's trying to kill me because yeah. he knows who I am and, you know, or he's just, just big and can't control himself. So yeah. that's that's super important right now. <laughs> I always say white belts are the most dangerous roles. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> are. The white belt, guys who don't know what they're doing I think are the most dangerous because – they they haven't been in those other situations so mm-hmm. yeah they'll hurt you without even realizing it they'll fall they fall weird they'll use all their energy in the first minute yeah. and then they'll be gassed out after but that one minute's pretty intense yeah and flailing elbows and knees yeah, and knees and elbows and, <laughs> yeah and they're just body on top of you yep totally i always say give me 10 black belts any day over somebody in their first week yeah that's exactly that's that's kind of who the focus is on my opponent's going to be a black belt so Right now, the focus has been guys a little bit bigger than me, um, a little bit stronger than me, but high level. So brown mm-hmm. belts and black belts, guys that move like black belts. You know, sure. that the, they do the right thing, um, and I just figure out you know what to do against those guys, which I, I do really well. You know, I'm a brown belt myself, so I do pretty well against the black and the brown belts. But those are the guys who who give me the best looks right now. Yeah, for sure. Do you uh, you do much rolling in the gi when you're getting ready for a fight, or you leave that outside of camp? So I do like the gi. Um, I do train in the gi, um, but the, la- the usually the last like month or so, I usually stick to no gi. Mm-hmm. Um, I we have enough classes in nogi. I usually roll about three times a week, and then we also do a technique class where like it's just me and Royo and a couple other guys mm-hmm. where we do like cage drilling, mostly like MMA rolling. Okay, um, and then we also spar 
and when we spar, it's everything. So you get some rolls there too. Mm-hmm. So about a month out, I don't do much gi, but outside of training camp, I'm doing the gi um, at least twice a week, usually on average. Okay. So I do like the gi, but yeah, when I'm in training camp, I kind of kind of dial it down a little bit and, and get more MMA based. Yeah, I always like to ask that question because there's like mixed school of thought on using the gi for MMA training. Does it help? Or does, yeah, I mean overall, I think it improves your no gi game, but. You're not gonna be wearing it in the cage. Yeah, I, so I definitely think that it helps. argument too. I definitely think it helps um, your technique. Um, but uh, yeah, like the, the days that we do it, usually I'm doing Muay Thai or wrestling, so it's a little bit more, um, you know, it's more MMA based. But I, I agree. I think uh, um, I, I do think the gi does help. Okay, cool. So you got a lot of fight experience, mm-hmm. like you said. Uh, when I came to the gym today, you were just finishing up a, a stretching session. Yeah. So how much are you incorporating kind of active recovery and, and um, you know, what are you doing for recovery during your camp? Yeah, yeah. So um, today, yeah, we were just working with Charlie. He's uh, our stretch coach here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that we that I've added to my game. Um, and that's just a, uh, one of the my favorite things to do to recover. Um, mm-hmm. We had, like, a really hard sparring session last night. So I did five five-minute rounds last night with like fresh guys coming at you the whole time mm-hmm. and uh today my body was just beat to shit pretty much and so uh basically we do an hour-long stretching where we're just moving around doing different types of movements and that's one part of the recovery um i also go to like chiropractors get massages do whatever i can to to take care of my body i'm 30 years old now and i've been fighting for a while so it's good to have that those extra recovery days mm-hmm. um and then later i'll do some conditioning and some jujitsu but it's kind of a more relaxed day because we had a really hard day yesterday okay so you're kind of tapering things off your fight is a week from tuesday yep so you're getting the hard stuff kind of out of the way now and uh, how does next week look for you? Yep. So, um, so it, it's a little bit different because the fight's on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's on like a Saturday. Yeah. Um, so, what we'll do is, last night was my last hard full MMA. We were just you know going at it. It was pretty much like we fought last night. Mm-hmm. Um, then on Monday we'll do some Muay Thai rounds where it's just stand up. Okay. So you know just punches, kicks, knees, all that stuff. We'll do a bunch of rounds there. Then that'll be my last hard sparring session. So it'll be about a week out. And then I'll do a lot of just strength and conditioning, cardio that'll like help my weight get down a little bit, um, you know, muscle endurance type things, and then some very light rolls where we're just kind of going through the motions, going over our game plan and that kind of stuff. So next week will be a little bit more relaxed than this this previous week, but it'll still be good intensity. I'll, I'm going to run sprints and wrestle tomorrow, and then um, we'll have a good solid week Monday through Friday, and then I'm heading out on Friday. Cool. I'm exhausted just hearing. About yeah, that. yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of, lot of stuff going on. Like, and, and uh, you know, this is what I feel like works best for me. Everyone's different. Yeah. But um, we've done it a bunch of times. I've done it the wrong way. We're like, we'll go super hard right until the fight, and you're all banged up. And then I've done it where, you know, you kind of take the week off, and I don't really like that either. I like to stay pretty active, but yeah. not. You just don't want to get injured. And and I've seen a lot of guys on this contender series either go into the fight injured or they have to pull out because of injuries yeah and i just want to make it there at least 70 80 percent full you know at, 
you know, health-wise, and uh, that'll be good enough for me. I don't want any broken bones or any cuts or anything like that at this point. Yeah, that wouldn't be ideal. Yeah. Um, so I want to get to the contender series, but I want to rewind a little bit. So okay. you and I have a lot of mutual friends and acquaintances because we yep. train in the same network, but this is actually the first time for listeners that we're actually having a conversation. Yeah, talk, yeah. We're doing it, you know, live on the Internet. Yeah, um, fun way to do it. So something else you and I have in common, we're both from New York yep. and transplanted to Florida, but you're from Western New York, Ransomville. Yeah, get that yeah, right? yeah, yeah, Ransomville. So it's a Ransomville is a really, really, really small town, um, and Lewiston is the other town that like I basically went to school at. So Ransomville is an even smaller town, um, Lewiston, New York, and that's right outside of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So when you think of like New York, obviously people think of the city, sure. like Long Island, that type of stuff. So it's about six hours away from there. It's actually right on the Canadian border, mm-hmm. like right where like Niagara Falls is, like the actual falls. And, um, yeah, it's a really small town, and, uh, yeah, it's way different than the city. <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up here in Tampa? Um, so I ended up here because my sister, she's a few years older than me. She moved down while I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. She went to the University of Tampa, and I would come down and visit her every now and then, and I just loved it. It was just a be- beautiful place, mm-hmm. um, and I liked a-, a lot about it. And... Um, then right after high school, I got into training. So I started doing some jujitsu, and I went to a, an MMA gym, and I was training a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized I wanted to move down here. I would visit, and I just liked it so much. And I got so basically, I was finishing up college. I got my associate's degree, and while I was finishing that up, I wanted to decide basically what I wanted to do next. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't really a lot going on. It's a very small town, um, not a lot to do. Really cold in the winters, of course. And so I knew I was going to move to Tampa. I was going to go to USF. Like, that was my plan to get my bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. But when I came down here, I basically, I heard about Matt Arroyo from The Ultimate Fighter and from my sister, I actually knew him and a guy named Paul Barrow, who uh, they went to UT together. So she's like, yeah, I know these guys that do MMA, and, and I knew who Matt Arroyo was. So I came in, and I came to Gracie, the original Gracie Tampa South, or the, the one that I went to. This is in 2010. Okay. And then I also went to USF. USF was giving me a ton of problems because they, um, my my tran- my uh, basically all my uh, my associate's degree, all my credits. I wanted them all to transfer, mm-hmm. and only like half of them were going to transfer. And then also they said, since I wasn't a resident, I was going to have to pay a lot more money. So they basically said, if you wait a year, it's going to be like half off. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I really liked the gym, so I was like, you know what? I'll I'll take a year and just train. And so what ended up happening was I moved here, started training full time, and then I just realized I just wanted to do that, and I figured I'd go back to college if I wanted to. But the rest is kind of history. After a few months, I started like taking fights, and you know I just started going from there. And I've had you know twenty twenty six, twenty seven fights since then. Do you think if you were able to enroll in college right away, you might have taken that route and only been training part time, or definitely possibly, yeah, certainly. And I'm really glad I did it because. Um, you know, I pretty much paid off my associate's degree as I went, mm-hmm. so I never went into like any serious debt. Yeah. And I was planning on basically taking out a big loan, going to college and training. Um, instead, I just got a job. I was working as a cook at the time at a golf course, and um, so I would I would work there and then train full time. And then when that year was, when it was time to, you know, I basically had my residency. I just wanted to keep training. I, I felt like I was on the right path, and uh, I'm glad I did right now. Yeah, well, you're definitely in a good spot now. Yeah, so works out. Uh, the Tuesday Contender Series or Dana White's Contender Series—I I think they changed the name, but I'm not mm-hmm. positive on that. Um, so, 
your last couple of fights, you've been headlining, championship fights, sold out crowds. Yep. This fight is going to be a much different scenario where it's kind of a quiet environment, which yeah. you have experience with on the yeah. Ultimate Fighter. Um, but you know, your last couple of fights have definitely been a much different environment. Yeah. Is that going to affect? you at all or are you just totally zoned out when you're in there yeah um it, i don't think it's gonna affect me as much as some other people that it could because i do have that experience mm-hmm. it's a totally di- different environment like you said um my last you know since the ultimate fighter every fight has been the main event um you know like you said sold out crowds usually in like my hometown mm-hmm. or in tampa which is you know like my adopted city so it's been a loud crowd they, they've been going crazy and to go into that silence it's definitely different it's like almost awkward like it's like quiet and like you can hear your corner guy they can hear him um you know you can hear like a pin drop mm-hmm. um i do have that experience from the ultimate fighter i fought there twice and i watched you know at least 10 fights where it was quiet and you just watch so it's, it's definitely a different uh, environment mm-hmm. but uh, i'm prepared for it i feel like uh, with my experience it's I think it, it kind of favors me a little bit because I, I have gone through that before. I fought in front of Dana twice now. Um, I, you know, I fought in front of Conor McGregor and Uriah Faber and all those guys. So I think uh, the experience of doing that definitely uh, is plays into my favor. For sure, yeah. So your opponent, Camuela Kirk, mm-hmm. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, black belt. Uh, his He's never been finished. His mm-hmm. only losses are decisions, and he has finished – every opponent he's had mm-hmm. uh, a victory over um so without giving away too much what are your thoughts on this guy yeah i mean um you know all those things excite me you know that's what makes you that's why you got i got into fighting you know a lot of these guys they go out and like they find the fights that are easier fights and that they that they know they can win and you know i've had fights like that where i felt like i had like i had advantages and it's it, it's actually a lot harder to train for that you know mm-hmm. like if you think you're gonna win you know, you go to the gym and you're like, you know, what am I, you know, why am I doing this? I know I can win this fight, but you know, a guy like this where, you know, he's, he's a killer. He goes out there and he, he's looking there to take you out. You know, he's finished all of his opponents. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's easy to wake up early in the morning and train hard for this guy and, um, not him not being finished before gives me huge motivation. Um, I want to go there and be the first one to finish him. I like that. Um, the last guy I fought, uh, never got knocked out before and I was able to knock him out. And this guy has never been submitted or knocked out. So I feel like if I can do one of those, like go out there and get the finish, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a good, uh, good accolade for me. Mm-hmm. And um, in front of you know all those people, it's going to be a big deal to, to go out there and finish that guy. And that's obviously the game plan is, is to take him out. Yeah, take the finish however it comes. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter if it's a and knockout or a I, I think I have the ability to, to finish him. You know, if he wants to stand and strike with me, I think I can, I can find, that, you know, find that big punch or kick. Um, you know, or knee, and um, if it goes to the ground, I feel like uh, I have a lot of weapons that he hasn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to submit a lot of people in training, and um, whether it's on top or on bottom, I think uh, you know I have a lot of weapons going into this fight, so it's it's super exciting for sure. Um, so the way I would describe your fighting style for anybody who's never seen you fight before, a lot of people listening to this show maybe haven't seen you fight mm-hmm. before, and if you haven't, I definitely encourage you to Google Billy and look up his fights. You're a grinder, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you you can get in and out of tough situations, and you just put a pace on guys mm-hmm. that seems to break them. Am I describing that accurately enough? Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it. It's a uh, um, you know, and it's a style that I I didn't get into MMA to you know to do it that way that's just kind of how I've always fought where 
you know, when that bell rings, I'm looking to finish you. I'm looking to wear you down. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of conditioning. So like I'm always in the gym. I'm always, um, you know, doing, doing road work, you know, doing whatever. So yeah, that's my style is, uh, you know, I'm there to, I'm I'm there to get in and out, but if I got to keep wearing you down and if you can last, um, my game plan is, is to keep just breaking you down until I can get that finish. So yeah, that's definitely my style. And, uh, that's what you can look for on next Tuesday. And that's not really a secret. He probably knows that too, that mm-hmm. I'm going to be in his face. But it's a lot different uh, watching it and then having that on there, you know, having me in your face the whole time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure it's satisfying to get go in and get a quick knockout. but It's always the, the plan. Yeah. They, th- that's, that's ideal. But there's got to be something about feeling a guy break when yeah. you're in there and you kind of know when that happens at this point you have a you know yep, a ton always, of fights yep always yep always that's always the plan and uh you know i look for that when i'm you know when i'm putting that pace on someone you know i i i look for that moment where they break and then i know i can you know that's when i try to pick it up a little bit as you know some people you know kind of decline as the fight goes on i try to pick it up as the fight goes on um and look for those openings you know look for that that desperate shot that they're going to take or you know they're going to drop their hands down a little bit and, and I'm going to, you know, break them right there. Yeah. And in my opinion, that's the scariest kind of person to fight is the person that's always going to be there uh, yeah. and always coming forward and, and just making your life miserable. Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah, like if I was sure. going to lose a fight, I'd rather lose with the quick knockout than have yeah. somebody, you know. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> and I do, have, I do have a few, I think I have like three or four first round finishes. Mm-hmm. That's always the plan. Go out there and just take them out. But you know, I always, uh, you know, think to myself, if I can push that pace mm-hmm. and they do last that that first storm, you know, they, they make it through the first round. Um, I have confidence in my conditioning and my training that that second and third round, I'm going to be able to keep going where they're going to break. Yeah, definitely. So this grinding style kind of translates into your regular life from what I could see because I follow you on Instagram. I'm an early morning guy because I have no choice because I have a young daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the time I wake up and I check your Instagram story, <laughs> you've already been at the gym for hours. Yeah. Uh, is this something you kind of had to condition yourself to do or have you just always been a rise and grind kind of yeah. guy? Yeah. So, uh, no, actually, uh, the funny thing is, and you know, they say everything happens for a reason. So, you know, even a few years ago, I used to hate waking up early, you know, because um, I'm usually at the gym pretty late. So I would hate waking up early. I would usually wake up at like 8 or 9 a.m. Um, and then to, you know, slowly start my day. Um, and then what happened was last January, so about 15 months ago, um, I tore my ACL. I had to get ACL surgery, tore my ACL, had to get surgery, knee surgery. Um, and for like that first month, I was, you know, at first I was a little depressed, you know, because I knew, you know, what a setback it was but I was having a hard time sleeping. So I would wake up in the middle of the night and I wouldn't be able to sleep. Mm -hmm. So this happened for like three or four weeks. And so at about like that two and a half, three week mark, um, I just decided since I couldn't sleep anyway, I would just go to the gym. And uh, so my gym would open up at 5 a.m. So I would just wake up. I'd wake up usually at like 4 a.m. I couldn't sleep because it was super painful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would wake up and just go to the gym. I would literally crutch into the gym and just do like an upper body workout. Okay. And um, then it would turn into like a few weeks of that would just be just upper body. Then I would do like a lot of like the knee rehab and starting to like put weight on on the legs. Mm -hmm. Then after like a month of that, I kind of built that habit up of waking up at 5 a.m. I got a couple of gym partners, uh, my buddy Dave Snell and my boy Paul. Um, and they basically were like, dude, we want to work out with you. So sometimes they'll meet me there 
and we'll get those 5 a.m. workouts in. And then that basically, because of tearing my ACL, that made me build that habit of waking up. So now I wake up usually every day at either 4.30 or 5.30, and I go in and get some kind of strength and conditioning workout in. Um, and it all started from tearing my ACL, which nice. is you know wild. But yeah, before that, I used to hate it. Um, but then that slowly led into you know that the strength and conditioning. Then it turned into doing boxing and then that led to that boxing match that I took after tearing my ACL which it all came from being injured led to all those things so it's you know it's almost a blessing in disguise even though it was took a year off my career yeah so a lot of things kind of like fell into place you know taking a year off from college and that you know allowed you to train more full-time and on the ACL. Yep, everything happens for a reason, and it's uh, it's gotten me where I am now, so I'm, I'm thankful for it now. Awesome, man. Yeah, look at your Instagram story, Billy Q MMA on Instagram, yeah. by the way. Uh, and I I feel like I train a lot, and then I look yeah. at you, and I'm like, damn, I'm fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to put the work in. You know, that's all that's all you could do as a fighter is uh you know is count on your training. And I know if I'm always in the gym. Um, you know, I try to work as smart as I can, but I know if, uh, if I'm working my ass off and I don't think my opponents are, are, are waking up, you know, I usually, sometimes I get four hours of sleep and I'm going, you know, I, I close down the gym here and then the next morning I'm the first one at crunch, um, or I'm the first one back here. Mm-hmm. So I know that if, uh, if I put that pace on, you know, if I get used to that and then, you know, my future opponents hopefully aren't doing as much. Nice. They just put a little doggy door on the door for you. So yeah, you I'm just, just in the middle yeah, of the yeah, night. I, I, I open up and close up here uh, all the time, you know, most of the week. And then crunch, I'm always, you know, once they open, I'm there. So Yeah. First in, last out. Yeah, that's the plan. So I want to talk about your experience on The Ultimate Fighter a little bit. Okay. So this had to be a pretty pivotal moment in your career. Uh, it didn't work out for you on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh Decision loss to Saul Rogers there. Yeah. But since then, I've seen you've done so many things. You've gone and trained out at Team Alpha Male. I've yeah. seen you've gone up and trained with Ryan Hall at 50-50. Yeah. Obviously, you have a great camp here. Yeah. Uh, what's What's the best experience you think you've taken since that show? Um, well, yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of good 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 things I took from there. I got a, a lot of really good training, and I and I built a lot of relationships, like you mentioned. Um, you know, like Uriah Faber is just one of those guys that, like, even before the show, um, I had a ton of respect for him. He's one of the guys that, like, he pretty much had a perfect career. Besides winning a UFC belt, he's done everything. Mm-hmm. Built this huge gym. Uh, is I think he's a part of like ten different businesses right now. He's set for life. Yeah. You know, just a, a super competitor. Fighting uh, this week and tomorrow actually, which is crazy. Good for him, and and I hope he does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, building the relationship with him, building the relationship with a lot of the guys at Team Alpha Male. That's always a gym that I could. I feel like I can go to and be really comfortable with all those guys. Um, the relationship with Ryan Hall. Ryan's a great guy. Um, smart. One of the smartest martial artist that I've ever been around you mm-hmm. you know he talks about stuff that like you won't even think about and just being around him talking to him is you know as valuable as training with him so he those are some of the big guys um the rest of the team everyone was awesome like I still talk to a lot of the guys you know pretty consistently um and then losing that fight to Saul Rogers the way I lost you know it just opened up a lot of eyes you know it just opened up a lot of things for me to to work on you know mm-hmm. you know you learn more from a loss i truly believe that um and a lot of the things that i knew i had to work on were my wrestling of course my strength and conditioning you know eating the right thing my nutrition just being better because at that level you can't make any mistakes if there's any holes in your game 
you're going to get exposed and you're going to be exposed in front of a lot of people so as good of a as experience as the whole thing was um i think i needed that loss to kind of go back to the drawing board and really focus on the holes in my game Mm -hmm. um and since then i've i've almost had as many fights after the ultimate fighter as before you know i was six and one before since then i'm five and one mma and then i had that boxing match so i'm pretty much six and one okay after that too so i'm pretty much doubled my pro experience um and i'm a whole different fighter than what i was before with a lot of those those holes in my game have been patched up yeah so there's probably going to be a lot of people maybe hardcore fans who remember you from the show and they're going to be seeing you on this contender series uh, what would your message be to them? Like, why should they tune in for this? Yeah, well, I'm going to be a, a, they're going to see I'm a whole different animal. Um, my strength and conditioning has been through the roof. I didn't really lift a lot of weights before that. Um, I just did a lot of martial arts, you know, mm-hmm. jujitsu, Muay Thai, wrestling, um, all that. But now I do a lot more strength and conditioning. Um, shout out to my friends at Driven. There's a, a, a facility here in Tampa called Driven. And I go in there at least once a week and I, and I haven't missed any sessions and they helped a ton with my rehab my knee rehab Mm -hmm. and then since they did such a good job with my knee rehab i just stuck with them with strength and conditioning um and they've taken my game to the next level if you see pictures from my last two fights my boxing match and my fight um my last mma fight my body just looks totally different um it looks like i'm in just much better shape uh and also when I was on the Ultimate Fighter, that was at 155. Now I'm at what I would call my natural weight class of 145, where I'm not giving up a size advantage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the same size as my opponent, if not a little bit stronger, if not a little bit bigger. Uh, so you're going to see a whole different fighter. It's going to be a, you know, you're not even going to recognize that fighter that's in there as opposed to the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, forget the guy you saw on season yeah, yeah, yeah. 22 I'm, of the I'm, Ultimate I'm, Fighter. I'm different. I'm different than then. You know, I was good back then. You know, I won my first fight, um, and I felt really comfortable training with a lot of the guys that were on the team like I felt like I was doing well against a lot of the guys mm-hmm. but there was definitely some things missing I was a lot you know I was 26 and I'm, I'm 30 now so that experience and just the rounds that I've gotten in and just the hours I've put in since then um, I think now is the time where I am ready for the UFC where back then I, I had some holes in my game yeah four years is a huge difference that's a yep. college degree exactly exactly <laughs> yeah I got my degree in MMA in the last four years there you go for sure and has anyone ever told you you look like across between Channing Tatum and yeah. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, they were joking about that. So the the story behind that, um, they uh, they gave us that huge questionnaire before the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. And I forgot what the question was, but it was like something like, uh, do you resemble someone or like, do, what do people... And, and I was just... I was basically... I took that whole thing as like a huge joke and I was just messing around on it. Yeah. And it was probably 25 pages long. Uh-huh. And one of the questions, I was just joking around. I was like, yeah, people think uh, I'm a cross between uh, Channing Tatum and Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> and sure enough, they use that part on the show. And yeah. they were like, joking about it and laughing about it. And we all had a good laugh about it. And uh, after the show, people were like joking, calling me uh, Channing Wahlberg that yeah. I think uh, Faber <laughs> quoted me with. So, uh, yeah, I was... I, on Dana White's Contender Series, I was I was kidding with them. I was like, Channing Wahlberg's back. It's like Channing Wahlberg 2.0. Yeah. So it's uh, I'm I'm excited to to bring that back. It's it's all fun. Uh, there are definitely worse nicknames. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was we were just messing around with it. We were having some fun. Yeah. So you know you, you can't take yourself too seriously. 
yeah, because most people won't take you seriously, so exactly, can't take yeah, yourself yeah, seriously. Yeah. But speaking of which, not taking yourself too seriously, I heard something or I read it somewhere that your audition for the Ultimate Fighter, which for those who don't know, you do a ninety-second striking demo mm -hmm. and ninety seconds of grappling. You wore a suit for this. Yeah. So yeah, what happened was, so. Um, basically, going into the Ultimate Fighter, um, the tryout, you know, they're looking for people for, to be on a TV show. Mm -hmm. So, basically, what what I, what my understanding was, you do like uh, I think it was like a one minute grappling match, and then like a ninety second striking session. Right after that, you do an interview. Mm -hmm. So, like right after that, like after that, if you make it past those two cuts, because they're cutting people after each round, you go right into an interview with like the producers. Mm -hmm. So. The game plan was Matt Arroyo was on the Ultimate Fighter, so he kind of knew the gist of it a little bit. Yeah, and he's like, basically, what you want to do is you want to stand out. So, basically, in my group, there was I think there was five hundred people there. In my group, um, I noticed well, and basically everyone there, everyone was getting ready for that gra the grappling, and you look around and everyone's wearing the same shit. So every single person there is wearing a rash guard and shorts. Like mm -hmm. they're wearing their sponsors, they're wearing their shorts, and everyone looked the same. Yeah. So I'm thinking, all right, I already brought a suit for that interview after. I'm like, how can I stand out there? You know, because everyone looks the same. I was like, why don't I just wear the suit when I grapple? And then when I go right to that interview after, I'm going to have my suit on and I'm going to be more professional. So that's ended up what happening was I had a, they basically called me out for the grappling and they're like, all right, Billy, they called out my, the guy I was grappling with and he runs out and sure enough, he had a rash guard and shorts on like everyone else. And like and Billy Corntello and I run out there and I had my suit on and they were like they were like in shock they're like like are you gonna roll like that I'm like yeah yeah I'm fine and like I just played it off like it was like a normal thing and we smack hands and go and the kid was pretty good we had some really good scrambles um, neither one of us submitted each other but it definitely just stuck out because I was the only guy wearing a suit yeah so I think the combination of that and having a good record I was six and one I think with five finishes. Having a good record got me there because they were cutting people right away just off their record. Mm -hmm. um, and then after we grappled, and then Matt Arroyo, my head instructor, held mitts for me, but he really doesn't hold mitts for me that often. So after I made it to that round, we did the striking, and I told him I just wanted fancy stuff. So I'm like, just call for like flying knees, spinning back kicks. I was like, let's just, you know, let's just have fun with it. They, yeah. they don't care about the technical striker. So we messed around and did that, and I made it to the interview, and that's where it kind of paid off because. Everyone else was going into that interview with their rash guards on, uh, and I went into that interview with a suit and tie on. So, like, one, it was kind of a joke to them. They're like, "Wait, why are you wearing a suit? Like, what you wearing? Did you grapple with that?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I grappled in that." I'm like, "I wanted to, you know, I wanted to keep it business professional." And um, so it just worked out perfectly. So it wasn't even pre-planned. You were already there and you had the suit and you decided kind of on the spot, I'm going to grapple in this suit. Yeah, because they, they made an announcement. They're like, I think we were in like the third group and they were taking groups of like 50 people. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I had to stand out because a good record can might get you in, but it's, it's taking a chance. And um, I just had to do something to stick out. So yeah, while we were there, I knew I was going to wear a suit in the interview. Um, which I think would have helped a little bit, but I probably wouldn't have had time to switch anyway. Yeah. Because you went right from, you did the grappling, you did the striking, and then you went right to the interview. So it was like, you went to like a waiting area for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And yeah, it just worked out perfectly. It was, we kind of came up with it on the spot. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it worked out really well. 
That's awesome. Yeah, tie and everything. Yep, yep. Like it was a full suit. Yeah, like uh, you know, coat, tie, um, dress pants, dress shoes, the whole thing. Not even a clip-on tie, like a legit tie. Yeah, no, like a, a legit tie. Yeah. You weren't worried about the guy strangling. I was you with worried the tie. about. It. it was funny. It was funny. I was uh, right before I started rolling with them. Uh, Andre Feely was there, who like you know he's he was already a big UFC. You know he was in the UFC already. Yeah. And he was like, hey, he's, like, he's allowed to choke you with that. Then I was like, that's fine. I was like, go for it. Like <laughs> almost like I'm wearing a gi. So and the guy was super cool. Yeah. And uh, he didn't. I don't think he grabbed. I don't think he really grabbed for it too much. But yeah, we, it was a good roll, and it was you know I'm used to rolling in the gi anyway, so sure. it wasn't that uncomfortable. Is there any footage of this? Like any? Why wouldn't they release a video of you rolling in a suit? I don't know. To, that's to a good question. I mean, there was definitely cameras there. I've never seen footage of it, but it's definitely out there somewhere. And I was just making sure I'm like, I just can't let this guy submit me. And he got in a couple of good positions, but uh, luckily it was a quick roll, and uh, we went back and forth. So it was, it was a good roll. All right, so the producers of the Contender Series, let's find this fucking footage yeah. and, and show. Maybe they'll have it. Maybe they'll show it. Maybe they'll show it uh, in, uh, next week. Yeah, in a let's weeks. see. Let's see Billy rolling in a suit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to promote yeah, against the a, against a guy in a full fight. rash guard. Yeah, it was it was definitely a little different. So on this show, it was uh, Uriah Faber and Conor McGregor were the two coaches. They they tried to push a uh, USA versus Europe yep. kind of feud. Was there really like that tension that they were trying to? to put up because it seemed like they they were trying to take that angle and then it kind of fizzled out towards the end and it kind of just wound up being all about the fighting but yeah did you feel it when well, you were there so i feel like um there was uh you know the ultimate fighter has been around for a long time and about halfway through it i think like season 10 it switched they basically the people in charge switched mm-hmm. so they and they basically did that on purpose where they wanted it the first few seasons, they wanted it to be like a circus act where like everyone's getting drunk and people are fighting outside the house. And I think the last few seasons, they want it to be a little more professional and show people that like, you know, fighters, you know, are regular people that, you know, aren't like just like barbarians or like crazy drunks. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there was too much of the rivalry for a couple of reasons. Uh one reason there was a little bit of a language barrier some of them didn't really speak english that well okay so you it's you know hard to kind of feud with people who don't speak english sure you know you, can't, you don't even understand each other uh the other reason there wasn't too much of a feud was because uh you're we're basically training we you train twice a day mm-hmm. for two hours a day so when we go and train for our two hours they're home and then when they go for two hours we're home so there's four hours right there plus a half hour each way. So it's at least five hours where we don't see each other during the day. Yeah. So we pretty much didn't see each other that often during the day. The only time we would see each other was a, like, a, like a little bit in the morning and sometimes they would sleep in because we had to go to practice first. And then at nighttime where sometimes we would be in, we, we'd be sleeping already too. So yeah. we really didn't see each other as often as, as you think. Um, and, and all the guys were pretty you know, pretty mellow. Conor McGregor was the only one where he was just a wild animal. Yeah, <laughs> which 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 was entertaining. Is um, he on all the time, or is he like yeah. kind of chilled and out? And you know, that's that's the first question everyone asks me. Like, is Conor McGregor an asshole? Like, is he really like that? And at least for the show, because every time we would see him, you know, he would walk in, and it would always be him, and it would be Faber, and like the rest of the team, Alpha Male guys, and he loved just like trying to poke at them. Like, yeah, it was more so. A rivalry between Conor McGregor and Team Alpha Male mm-hmm. than the the Europeans and the Americans because he just loves talking shit, coming in, being you know being wild, and he is always like that. Like at least yeah. when we would see him, 
we didn't really train with him at all, but we would just see him in like at the fights. We would see him at like the challenges. We would see him. We had like a, a, a big party there that we were all at. Um, we would see him like that, and he was always just super high, strong, like high energy, like always, always, you know, making jokes and, and, and you know, being exciting. So yeah. it, it, it's definitely not an act. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a master of branding himself. And yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah super being smart. Being a, a true performer. So then you were there when he was calling out T.J. Dillashaw basically for being a snake in the grass and yeah. and all that. And obviously on TV they they make that look like it's about to be a Royal Rumble. Did it, was there really a lot of tension? While that was going on, that day there was for um, there was a couple of reasons. Well, the main reason was um, we were all just hanging out there, and we were basically doing a photo shoot, and that's how the whole thing escalated. So we were all doing a photo shoot there, and TJ Dillashaw was only there for a week, um, where we were all there for like seven weeks. Yeah, which TJ Dillashaw was really super nice to me. They all were. Cody was awesome. You know, they were all really nice to me. Um, so what happened was we all were sitting down. And that was the first time TJ got there. And Connor right away was just taking shots at him. Yeah. It was like just saying, you know, like that he wasn't there for the team. He just wanted to be the, the, the star of the show and all this stuff. And we, while we were waiting for this photo shoot, which this, this happens a lot, where like they'll bring you in and they'll set everything up and it'll take an hour to set everything up. So we're all literally just sitting there and he's just chirping nonstop. Like, and it's, it gets got to the point where like he was talking, you know, smack about TJ, but then it like turned over to like, you know, you, that's your teammate. He's a snake and you're a snake and this, and it's just like, Oh my God. And you just keep <laughs> sitting there and you, you don't like take so much of it. Yeah. And then finally he just started calling out other guys and you could tell Cody just had enough of it. Cause Cody was there the whole time. Yeah. This was, I think this was like week four. And finally, he was like, he said something to Cody, and Cody just had enough, so he started pushing him. And I did think there was, I thought everyone was about to fight, just because yeah. it was just so like, everyone was just sick of hearing Connor talk. Yeah. And uh, you mostly the guys on Team Alpha Male. Sure. The guys on the show and their guys, we didn't really care as much, but he was kind of taking shots at them. Yeah. And you know, you can only take so much of it, and they're all fighters at the end of the day. So it was that day there was about to be a fight. The rest of it, most of the time, it was. Faber and Connor kind of going back and forth. It was kind of like a joking manner. Yeah. And they, we would hear stories because we were stuck in the house, but we would hear stories about them going out and partying together. So, like, their whole teams would go and party. Oh, and, yeah. Because they were, they were stuck in Vegas, too. So they would be partying while we were stuck in the house. So it wasn't that. You could tell that they were, they were pretty friendly with each other, and they knew what they were doing to make yeah, their TV. Yeah, I think they, they had a lot of mutual respect for each other. Yeah. Um, Connor did say some, like, kind of messed up stuff, but... At the end of the day, I think they both respect each other, and that's just how he is. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes is when Faber gives him the USA sandals, like the flip-flops. Yeah, yeah they're like 10 bucks, and <laughs> yeah. he's like, he like, he's almost like he's never thought about wearing sandals before. He's like, yeah. what are these? Like, I don't have a suit to match these. Yeah, what am I going to do with these? Yeah, totally two different styles. You know, anytime Connor was on TV, he would wear like a three-piece suit, yeah. and Faber would wear shorts and sandals. Yeah. So it was totally different styles. Yeah. I mean, Uriah Faber's got his own brand, too. I mean, yeah. He's the laid-back surfer yeah. California and dude. definitely how he is. You know, like when I went out to Team Alpha Male, he's, that's how he is. He always just wears, and it's, I think that's an easier lifestyle to maintain. You know, he's just chill, relax, and don't let it fool you because certain at the time, I don't, I don't think anymore because Connor had that huge $100 million fight, but Faber's a very wealthy guy. You yeah. Know, he's got a huge house. He's got 
He's got a bunch of different businesses that all generate income. He's got a bunch of different properties, real estate. He owns a huge gym. He's mm-hmm. the manager to a lot of fighters. So he's got, you know, he's a very, very smart businessman. A lot of fighters could learn from him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely paved the way for a lot of guys uh, in the way he handled his money. I think a lot of fighters definitely uh, don't really get that aspect. And, you know, like you were saying before, you got to keep good company around you to make good decisions. You know, exactly. the people yep. you train with, when you go out to visit people, you know, you're taking lessons from all aspects of the life. Yeah, and there's, I, I've never met anyone who said a bad thing about Faber. You know, mm-hmm. like, you meet guys from rival gyms. I think, uh, and I think Faber said this, that the only person he has, like, a real rivalry with is Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Besides that, he's cool with everyone, and, yeah. and everyone's cool with him. And I think, at the end of the day, him and Cruz really respect each other, but they just have, like... You know, such they they've had so much history that yeah. there's just always gonna be a little bit of rivalry. There. Yeah, they have to respect each other because they kind of bolstered each other's careers. Oh know? yeah, their, their careers wouldn't be what they yeah, were if they yeah, didn't. One have of the each best other. rivalries in MMA for sure. Yeah, you you need to have that kind of yin and yang. Totally. Um, so you're talking about Faber and Connor out partying. I know you're not consuming alcohol because you're yep, in fight yep. camp, but. Yep. What's Billy Q sipping on when you're outside of camp, or what are you going to be celebrating? Oh, with? man. So, yeah, so that's um, – we talked about this a little bit before the show. So, yeah, I don't drink uh, – I don't really drink anything when I'm in training camp. So, like, I'll, I so I thought this fight was going to be July 3rd, but now it's pushed back to July 23rd. So I haven't drank – like, I haven't had, like, a night out drinking probably in, like, three months. Uh-huh. Um, and I the last time I had a beer was probably a few months ago, or probably, like, a, at least a month and a half, two months ago. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, what I'm sipping on – so I like to drink. Um, so we live in Florida. Obviously, it's hot as shit. Yeah. So I drink Corona Lights. And I used to get all my friends like, oh, Corona Lights, oh, that's gay, or whatever. <laughs> um, and I never let it bother me. I love I don't know what it is. I like the lime. I like the Corona Lights. They're, it's yeah. a light beer, so I could drink like 20 of them. And it's always hot here. So my go-to drink is Corona Lights for sure for beer. Uh, wine, I'll sip on a little bit of wine here and there, but not not as much. But usually a little bit of red wine, you know, with dinner sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and then drinks, I usually like like I'm a big Crown Royal Captain Morgan, so I like a little bit of rum. Captain Morgan is like usually my go-to. Like a Captain and Coke is is nice. Uh, shots of Crown. Shots of shots of whiskey. Um, sometimes I'll do tequila if we're gonna get crazy. Um, so yeah, that's usually what I'm what I'm drinking. And I am usually like so like growing up, there'd be a lot of guys that like like my dad and like some of his friends. They would like work all day and they would have like a couple beers. Mm-hmm. I don't really do that as often. You know, I really don't do that. But you, what I will do is like on the weekends, I'll go out and drink. You know, and get after it and get yeah. pretty wild. So I'm not like a casual. You know, I will have a beer here and there, but. Usually, like, if I'm going out, I'm going to party, and I'm going to drink, like, 10 beers instead of, like, one or two. Yeah, I got you. So you definitely go hard and all Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I feel like uh, I feel like I got to make up for it, you know, because I'll go, you know, so I already had a fight, a fight earlier this year, and I took, like, basically from, like, the end of December to, like, the end of February. I didn't drink at all. So, like, okay. three months off, super healthy, eating super clean, no drinking. So I already took three months off there, and then I've almost taken three months off, you know, this year. So I've only, I only drank for, like, a month this year, maybe, okay. like, a month and a half. So, yeah, I'm super strict when I'm in training camp, but then outside of training camp, uh, I definitely let go, and, uh, and I'm a lightweight because – you know, I don't have that consistency, so it doesn't take much. I'll have a few beers and a few shots, and I'm, yeah. and I'm pretty well off. Well, you're a featherweight now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a lightweight in terms of drinking, and I'm a featherweight in terms of fighting. Yeah. So I'm pretty much a featherweight in terms of both of them now. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Cool, man. So Vegas, you're going to be letting loose. You, re- you could have had that 4th of July 
I know, uh, big I know, I know. party, like probably out in Vegas. That would have been fun, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was supposed to fight July 3rd, and I would have had, that would have been fight week too, so like everyone in the UFC was, was out in Vegas. Everyone was partying, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll make the most of this one. I haven't really gone on any big vacations yet. Mm-hmm. Most of the trips I've done so far this year have been like traveling. Like I went and trained with Ryan Hall for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to uh, that same weekend where I went to Philly and cornered a couple guys. Um, and then I, I went home to Buffalo, which I always go home. I go home at least, you know, three four times a year which i'll go home in august too but uh yeah this will be like a nice trip where basically i'm gonna stay there for the full week i'm gonna train for the first few days fight you know get that contract and then i'll have three or four days where we can just let loose and party a little bit um i have my girlfriend coming out my, my family's coming out a bunch of my friends so that'll be a nice little vegas trip the first half will be all business and the second half will will let let loose and that'll be the first time i could party in the last few months so it'll be fun nice awesome all right, so uh, last thing I want to talk to you about, there's a fight night coming up this weekend. Yep. Um, Jermaine Durandamy and Aspen Ladd, uh, a lot of the hardcore fans are complaining yeah. about this main event because it's MMA. People complain yeah, about people everything. Love, yeah, people are it, always It's a complain. sport that was built on, on message boards and forums and people complaining. Exactly. And that's part of why we love it. Yeah, that's the internet. The internet now. People are always just going to complain about everything. But overall, great card. And, um, yeah, there's a ton of Team Alpha Male guys go that are going to be on that card um and then ryan hall my boy he's actually fighting darren elkins really interesting fight um i'm obviously rooting for ryan hall mm-hmm. i've never trained with darren elkins but um he seems like a really cool guy he trains at team alpha male so i'm definitely rooting for ryan hall and then i would i'm obviously rooting for the rest of the team alpha male guys especially the guys i've trained with before yeah um you know benito lopez was super cool i met him out in uh at team alpha male so I'm definitely rooting for him, and then uh, Josh Emmett was uh, with us the whole the whole time we were out in Vegas. Super cool guy, and I was wondering because he was training with us. That was before he was in the UFC, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, this guy could be in the UFC. Yeah. And then sure enough, I think a couple months after that, he punched his ticket, and he's been in the UFC since then. So and he's been killing it, punching people unconscious. Just, <laughs> yeah, he's got some heavy hands, heavy, heavy, heavy hands. Um, and then of course Uriah Faber is making his comeback. Really, really tough fight, um, but I think he can pull it off. You know, he's had some time off, and uh, you know, some people look at that time off as a bad thing, but sometimes you you want that. You want a little bit of time off to recover, get back, you know, get everything back, just work on your technique. Yeah. And I'm sure he's been. He's one of those guys that he's always in the gym, he's always training. So I think that's gonna be a really good fight. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that card. The main event, um, it's an interesting fight. Um, I, I've heard really good things about that Aspen lad. Yeah, know, her grappling looks really good. So uh, that's a toss up. I don't really have a horse in that in that fight. Yeah. But the rest of the fights, I'm gonna I'm gonna tune into. Ryan Hall is definitely you know my guy. So I'm I'm definitely rooting for him hard. And then Uriah Faber and Josh Emmett and and Benito. I, I hope sure. all those guys do really well. Yeah, that Ryan Hall fight is so interesting because. Darren Elkins is a guy, you could hit him in the head with a cinder block yes. and you're not putting him away. And Ryan Hall is a slick jiu-jitsu guy exactly. who can finish people at the drop of a dime. Yeah, and it's really, it's just going to be interesting to see, um, you know, and, and me and Ryan talked quite a bit about this, if, uh, you know, what Darren Elkins is going to do. And I don't even think he knows yet. You yeah. know, I'm sure he's strategizing it, but it's different when you get in there with someone like Ryan because... Even if you if you get into a clinch with him, or if you get too close to him, and he <clears throat> he can excuse me, he can attack one of your legs, or you make the mistake of trying to take him down, and you're in his guard, and then you got to deal with that. Yeah. Um. You know, and his his and Ryan Hall's. I'll say this. 
his wrestling and his striking is very underrated. People haven't really seen much of it yet. Yeah. But if he wants to go and uh, you know wrestle or strike, he's he's very very good, and he's he works with uh, Faraz Sahabi from TriStar. Okay. So he's got one of the best training camps, one of the one of the best minds in MMA. So I think he's going to be well-prepared for that fight. And uh, I think it's going to be a very exciting fight because I think Darren Elkins is one of those guys that, you know, is confident enough in his wrestling that he might try to take him down and try to beat him up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, we'll finally get to see Ryan, Har's, Ryan Hall's guard in, ju- in jiu-jitsu, which is phenomenal. Um, or you could see some sweeps or some leg attacks. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of interesting things that could happen in that fight. Yeah, for sure. It kind of reminds me of of the fight last week with Ben Askren and, and Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, Here you have yeah. like this awesome grappler and we're oh we're gonna get to see yeah, can, two totally different styles. Can he stop the takedown and but then five seconds and it's yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, I know it's you over know? quick. So yeah, and that's that's I think that's why we love we everyone loves MMA so much because leading up to that fight, I think a lot of people were, you know, saying that Ben Askren was probably just gonna blanket him and, and yeah. take him down over and over again. And, you know, It'll be interesting to see if Masvidal could keep it on the feet, and then he just goes out there and knocks him out right away, and uh, that's it. That's MMA for you. You know, it only takes one shot, and it only takes one quick submission. So anything can happen out there, and especially with those two guys, it's it, you know, it's an, it's an it's an exciting fight. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping for a quick work for you. Yeah. A week from Tuesday, Dana White Contender Series. Um, definitely tune in and watch Billy do what he does best on there. Uh, Dana White's been all over the place this season. Last week he gave out five contracts. Mm -hmm. The week before one, um, it seems like, you know, it it could be whatever mood he's in. Um, Does that put any added pressure on you or you just put that stuff out? Yeah, you know, it really doesn't. You know, of course I'm paying attention and watching it. I noticed there haven't been any uh, featherweights that that have been signed yet, which I I, kind of like that, that too because you know they're not oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Um, that Brandon Longhorn had a really good fight, and he was a featherweight, but he didn't get signed. Yeah. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, it's people are like, is there added pressure? Really, every fight that I'm in, you know, because I know people are going to watch tape. Mm-hmm. I try to be the most exciting fighting fighter I can be because that's what that's what sells tickets. That's what helps me get paid more. So every fight, I'm really looking for an exciting finish. Yeah. It doesn't always work out like that, but I've been lucky enough to be in some really exciting fights. And I think with my style of pushing the pace, you know, trying to knock you out and trying to submit you at all times, I think it's going to pay off, and I think I'm going to be able to find that finish. Awesome, Billy. Well, I'm looking forward to watching the fight. I'm looking forward to talking some more MMA with you in the future. Love to have you back on. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. Maybe next time Anytime. we'll do this over some Corona lights. Uh, yeah, let if you want to shout out any sponsors or like let people know where to follow you, the floor is yours. Yeah, um, of course, uh, Billy Q MMA on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thanks to all my uh, sponsors. You guys know who you are. I got a bunch of sponsors. We're gonna have new T-shirts made soon. No judges needed. They help me out with all my MMA gear. Um, and uh, just thank you guys at ESPN Plus. I think it's gonna be a great fight. It's a. Uh, 10 years in the making and i think this is my chance so this is my opportunity i'm going to take advantage of it all right billy quarantillo dana white's contender series watch it until next time cheers everybody goodbye